our reading from the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith this afternoon. It comes from chapter 19 of the Law of God, paragraph 1. It reads, God gave to Adam a law of universal obedience written in his heart and a particular precept of not eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, by which he bound him and all his posterity to personal, entire, exact, and perpetual obedience, promised life upon the fulfilling and threatening death upon the breach of it, and endued him with power and ability to keep it. With much talk in our day and age on the law and its relevance to the Christian life and how we are to apply it as Christians, it is important to remember that Jesus by no means did away with the law. He did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And he puts forth to us his own very law. The same law, mind you, which was given to Adam at the beginning. Given again through Moses at Sinai. And fulfilled in his very life, death, and resurrection. Man was created originally upright. Adam had no sin nature. He had the ability to keep it. He was potest pecare. He was able to sin. Now man, now our state, after Adam's fall, we are non potest non pecare. That's what Augustine said. Unable to not sin. It is a sad state of affairs indeed that we have fallen into. But when we cast our eyes upon the one who fulfilled these things, fulfilled the law on our behalf, and did not leave Adam or his posterity in sin, we have great reason for joy. We have great reason for hope. We have great reason to, out of gratefulness and love to God, keep the law that he gave us originally. Not out of servile fear, but out of filial fear. Not as slaves, but as sons. We now can come before him, honor him, love him, in our keeping of the law by his power. It is a great blessing indeed to be found in Christ. Indeed, the law, which is good, which the psalmists throughout the entire book of Psalms delight in, exult, and rejoice in is now able by us once again in our recreation to be kept out of love to our Savior. We do not do away with the law, but we do not put it up as a standard by which we must meet to find acceptance with God either. It must be both. Francis Turretin, the great post-Reformation dogmatician, systematic theologian, answered the question, are good works necessary for salvation this way? We affirm. Necessary. What does, it mean? what does he mean by necessary? And what do the post-Reformation divines mean as necessary? It means that it necessitates our conversion that good works will flow. Not that they are a prerequisite for justification. That alone is faith in Christ. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ but out from our regenerate hearts, flows love to God, flows obedience to God, however meager, which it often is meager in the saints. But praise be to God 
your Lord Jesus, that this wretched man before you and all you wretched people before me might be saved in our Lord Jesus Christ. Please stand for the singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and the reading of God's holy word.